How's everybody doing? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio. And you're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boy Show. As the intro said, to my left, I have Senor Diaz. Right in front of me, I have Sackman. We got a great show for you guys this week. We're going to start off talking about the NBA as the season had just ended and we're getting ready to start the NBA playoffs tonight. And we'll be moving on from that to an NFL segment where we do our own mock draft, go through the first 10 picks, picking who we think would win. After that, we'll talk a little baseball, me and Josh. All right, guys. First up, we want to start off with basketball, like I said. First game, the first play-in game, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls against the Toronto Raptors. Exactly. how do you feel this game's going to go? I mean, we're going to need everybody to come out and play well in this game. I mean, we need Kobe White to play like he's been playing the last five games. It's the best we've ever seen him play. We're going to need our big three of Levine, DeRozan, and Vooch to all bring it. We're going to need Pat Will to play like he's been playing the last month and a half. I mean, Toronto's a very long team. They, you know, have a lot of just weird kind of 6'9", 6'10", guys that can handle the ball. Uh, it's going to be all hands on deck. We haven't played well against them this year. We're going to need everyone to be on their A game. Josh, what are you thinking for this game? What's going to happen? You know, I feel like it's going to be a really back-and-forth game. Um, it's going to come down to the wire or maybe even overtime, like the last couple of games that they've been playing in the season have been. Um I definitely think that they need to continue uh, playing with the type of defense they've been playing with already. I mean, uh, Kobe White really stepped up to the plate. Caruso's been, you know, just on this nice neutral line of defense that we're used to seeing. But, um, like, we've seen Vooch a little bit more physical. Uh, P-Will isn't really doing all that much. He's getting good blocks here and there and good steals. Hey, but uh, he's doing a little bit better on the offensive side of things, which is really helping us right now. But um, I think right now, collectively, they just need to keep working as a team and not really, like, put the weight on this person's shoulders or that person's shoulders. Because, I mean, Kobe White lately, he's been going off. He's been crazy, putting up some really nice numbers. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it just comes down to teamwork, obviously. But... Also, um, it comes down to Billy Donovan, uh, the coach as well. He can't um, – we've talked about it before. He can't play to who's out there. We have to play who's going to actually, like, help us and benefit us in the defensive side of things and offensive side of things. He can't just play people because we have to match big on big, you know, and play, like, a really tight man defense um, and just kind of go that route because I feel like if we go that route, we're not going to see that – excuse me, that overtime game or a close game, we might end up getting blown out or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing, like you were saying, is just being able to stay consistent on defense. There's a lot of games in that last couple of weeks of the season where the Chicago Bulls, they looked really good on defense, and then there was the whole first, like, 75% of the season where they did not look good on defense. And I think the big thing is it's two guys, Vucevic and Patrick Williams. Vucevic needs to play his best defense he's ever played in his entire career. Yeah, that's mostly why he hasn't been able to win anything beyond like the first round of playoffs. He hasn't before in his career. He's made it all the time with Orlando those bunch of years, and then with the Bulls uh, last year made the play in and stuff. They need to be able to just lock it in for this game. This game is win it or go home. Yeah, they don't get a second chance if they lose this game like the other teams do. This is a huge moment for this team, and they need to know that and be able to step up for that. The other thing with that is that they need to shoot well. 
Um, a lot of the season, it's been very inconsistent shooting. And these past couple of weeks, like I was saying with the defense, it's also been stepping up a little bit. Zach Levine had his best stretch of the season in these past, you know, a couple of weeks. Kobe White, like you were saying, was playing extremely well. Um, you know, Patrick Beverly has been super helpful on defense a lot with the other guys too. Like Patrick Williams has been playing a lot better on defense. Um, Alex Caruso has been huge for the team. He's, uh, I saw this video from Kenny the other day where he was talking about like the advanced stats and like the advanced MVP and Alex Caruso has like the most like effect on the court. Like when he's on the court, he changes the game the most out of like anybody in the league over Giannis, over Joel Embiid, over all those guys. So having got like Alex Caruso to be healthy out there and just play his best in that one game is going to be extremely useful for this Bulls team. The other thing that the Bulls are, you know, hoping that will help them is that they've been eight and two in their last ten road games. So hopefully, being on the road in this game gives them a little bit of an advantage because they haven't had that advantage at home this year for some reason. So these two games, I think them being on the road, especially if they win this first one, which I think they can, <clears throat> I think that will lead them with that momentum into the next game. Uh, what I'm worried about is that Kobe White goes cold this game, mm-hmm. uh, which has happened to him a lot in his career. He's a very microwave player where he gets really hot for a good streak of games and then really cold for a good streak of games. So hopefully this game isn't the game where he decides to go cold because that could be detrimental to the Bulls. Um, and then just kind of looking at the matchup, like you guys were saying, like the Raptors are extremely good on defense. That team matched up with the Bulls' offense. The Bulls' offense just has to be more consistent. I don't think the Raptors can keep up with them on offense. I think Fred Van Vliet is their best offensive player right now, and he hasn't had his best season this year. Mm -hmm. So for the Bulls to be able to just play at the top of their game and then just hold out enough defensively, this game's in the bag for them. Um, We'll see how it goes. For the Bulls, who do you guys think is going to be the MVP of this game if they come out and win it? I'm going with DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he's playing his former team. He's going to be in his old arena that he knows very well. I just I don't see him coming out and having a pooper. I think he's going to go out. He's going to be, you know, Mamba mentality. He's going to go out. He's going to take a bunch of shots. He's going to make a bunch. He's going to give it his all. He knows that this probably might be – this could be his last game in Chicago. He's, like, playing here. He's had a career rejuvenation here. I think he's just going to go out and – kind of like shades of early 2022. Tomorrow he's, you know, 40 points on 50% shooting. I I see that from him. Josh, who are you thinking? For me, it comes down to two people, and obviously it could be either one of them, but it comes down to Vooch, uh, really how you talked about really stepping up and playing his best defense, not really worrying about offense as much because we know that he can get in there and get it done most of the time, but really like locking it in on defense and not letting, you know, Siakam get those easy buckets or um what's his name? OG OG Ananobi. OG Ananobi like really like babying him and stuff like he needs to really step up to the plate, pull out that veteran experience and like buckle down on the paint and um like you said play his best defense right now because like you said win or go home. We the only second chance we get is if we win this game. Um and then Kobe White uh, how you talked about, he cannot go cold. You know, we've seen him the last eight out of two uh, road games. Um, he's had phenomenal games, you know. Um, it's to the point where it's catch and shoot for him right now. And, you know, it's just he's on fire. Um, hopefully I'm not jinxing him. Um, but also him, him and his uh, vision on the court is really important, you know, when getting, when he knows when to, like, 
break past the defender and get those easy buckets or when he knows he has that open shot or the dish to the open player, whatever it is. Um, I think it really comes down to that, you know, because obviously he's not the only point guard or shooting guard out there or whatnot, but I feel like he's been getting it done a little bit more than Levine and DeMar, in my opinion, um, with him being so consistent whenever I watch him. So I think that's just what it really comes down to um, for this Bulls team. I want to talk about one more guy before we move on from the Bulls. Andre Drummond is going to have to have his best game, too. I think it's the rebounding that he brings to the table is going to be extremely important in this game because the Raptors are just so much, like, lankier than everybody in every position that they're going to be – it's going to be a fight for the boards. I mean, other than Yakupova, they really don't have a true center on their team. It's just a bunch of, you know, Precious Chua and, you know, Siakam and OG. I don't know who these, like, three, fours that – or, you know, lanky, but 6'9", can kind of move. I mean, he's a lot stronger than Poto as well. So this is for him to have one of those little spurts where he looks like primal Chamberlain, it's now. Mm-hmm. And he's had games like that this yeah. season against, uh, well, against the Raptors too. Yeah. Like he can go out there and we don't need him to put up 20 and 20. Yeah. If he can go out there and put up 7 and 14. Yeah, that's that's a win. I'm like 8 and 12 or, yeah. yeah Double-digit rebounds. That's yeah. all I want from him. He doesn't even have we to score. It. You need Pat Will to step up in the rebounding, too, because we're not going to be able to do this little small ball lineup where we have three point guards out there with Beverly, you know, Caruso, and then you play, you know, Levine at at the small forward. That's not going to fly. I think we're going to have to put Pat Will into the starting lineup. We need a bigger type of player out there, and he's going to need to rebound his butt off. He hasn't quite developed as the rebounder that we want. He's only averaging four rebounds a game this year. He needs to go out and at least get eight rebounds this game. I mean, if, he, if again, that's the same thing. If he gets eight rebounds, that's that's a win of a night for the Bulls. I think that that rebounding battle is going to be a deciding factor. It is in every basketball game. But in this game especially because of, you know, the matchup that we have, this should be a dominant game for those rebounders. So hopefully they, they go out there and just out-athletic them because that's really going to be their biggest key is that Pascal Siakam might be more athletic than Andre Drummond. So you can't let him beat you to those Boards, you just have to go out there and be a man and play your best game that you can. Let's move on to the second play play-in game in the East. We got the Hawks against the Heat. Josh, what are your thoughts about this game? Who's coming out of this one? Um, I mean, we talked about it a little bit before the show, and I know exactly we'll touch on it. But Jimmy, Jimmy, right now, uh, he has to pull out for his team. We talked about it. He like exactly made a joke. Like he just forces his team without even asking to move on to the next stage. No consent. Yeah, like he just keeps forcing his team to move on and win and win. I mean, what, they're down by seven right now? Yeah, I him and I know if they call a timeout right now because they were just down three, now they're down seven. Him and Udonis Haslam are going to raise hell on the sideline. Like it's going to heat cold and they're down nine now. I think here comes a timeout. It's now or never. This team, I mean, this is – I know this sounds odd that him being a bench warmer, but this is Haslam's last year. He's been the ultimate heat culture guy. He's been he's the all-time leading rebounder. He's been with this team almost as long as they've been around the NBA. They wanted this season to be great. They came so close last year, game seven. Uh Jimmy Butler missed three to go to the finals. They got a lot of older guys like you know, Lowry, um, a few others that are up there in age as well. This is their last chance. They are it's now or never. They felt that they've underachieved this year. 
they need to pull this game out. If they lose this game, I don't think they're going to win the next one. And they, you really don't want to play the, the Bucks round one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, looking at the score and the box score of this game, it's it's 81-70 to 70 right now with three minutes left in the third quarter. So it's going to end up being a pretty high-scoring game probably. Um, that doesn't really work in the favor, favor of the Heat in this because the Hawks are just such an offensive unit. They're not playing any defense really out there. Uh, DeJounte Murray is their best defensive player, and he can only guard guards. Um, Trey Young is like a traffic cone, basically. You can walk around him. Clint Capella isn't the same defender that he used to be. He still gets rebounds and still is a loud threat, but he's not really a paint presence on the defensive side of the ball. Same with John Collins. He's athletic enough to be a good defender, but he's just not really out there. You need your guys, if you're the Miami Heat, you need those guys that are supposed to be good on offense. You need Tyler Hero to step up a lot pretty soon here. You need Jimmy Butler to just take over like we're saying he might. I mean, he's Jimmy Butler's doing what he's getting. He's got 18 in this game. Tyler Hero has 17. What they really need is Bam Adebayo to not be shooting three for nine, too, in this game. That's kind of a big Adebayo issue. Adebayo just refuses to step up in the big moments. It happened every playoff season. It was so in the far. bubble. It was in the, that Hawks series. And not the Hawks. The Bucks series the next year where Giannis, I know it's Giannis, but, I mean, he sh- shut him down. It looked like it was Omer Sheik out there guarding Giannis. It, he didn't do it. To what, we, what they needed last year, he stepped up a little bit, but it wasn't what they needed, and he's not doing it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the other thing, like, it's really interesting to me when I'm looking at this box score. We haven't been able to watch the game yet. I'm going to go back and watch the highlights after this. But Gabe Vincent is starting for the Miami Heat over Kyle Lowry, but Kyle Lowry's on the bench going 6 for 9, 19 points right now. I'm assuming Kyle Lowry's playing a majority of the minutes, and Gabe Vincent just kind of went out there and started because teams do that sometimes, especially in the playoffs when they're trying to throw other guys off. They don't know. Vincent's got 19 minutes, and Lowry has 18. Yes, they've done this all year. They have their veterans. They play them very weird. Like Oladipo will go out and get 20, and the next game they DNP him. Lowry, he's been hurt this year. They bring him off the bench. I mean, Vincent to me has always been more of a two guard. Like a very good shooter, and he even in like when he was with his Olympic team Nigeria, he was still not a point guard. So I, that to me has been a little odd this year. They've done that a lot, but I, I don't know. Then they got Struess back in the starting lineup from Stag High School in Palos Hills, Illinois. I watched him play, and yeah, they've been a very oddly configured team this entire year. They you know heroes always up and down, bench and starter. They really don't have a power forward on their team. Udonis Haslam, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> they they were starting Kevin Love, but that's that was that just didn't work. He's Kevin Love's barely played this game. He has three minutes right now. Yeah, I, I don't. They're a very oddly configured team. I I think this is the downfall of the Jimmy Butler Heat era. Nothing that Jimmy Butler's done wrong. It's just everyone around him is crumbling. You know, I thought it was a mistake to let go of Jay Crowder. I thought that. Set them back. Sam. Then they replaced him. P.J. Tucker. Then they let go of him. They don't really have another. They've you know Harrow and Adebayo, but they just don't have another young guy that can just go out and play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo are both like threes. I feel like in a like a star rotation. Yeah. Jimmy Butler's the one. They're missing a two right now. I think for so long they've been thinking that Bam Adebayo is a two because he makes All Star games and stuff like that. But, like, just because you make an all-star game doesn't make you an extremely effective player, I guess. And I know he gives it his all on defense. But for a team that only has two guys that can score the ball, you need to be able to score the ball, help them out. 
Um, especially when guys like Duncan Robinson aren't doing their best on the offensive side of things. Max Struess isn't having his best game. You know, Gabe Vincent isn't Duncan having his best game. Robinson is fall, falling off the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean, that's just... that's. They what, gave him $85 million. That's what happens when you can only shoot. He can't do anything else on a basketball court. I mean, for a second there, he looked like he was a... Like, that, when they went to the finals that bubble year, the 2019-2020 year, it was him and Kendrick Nunn were the two stud rookies they found out of nowhere. From the Sioux Falls Sky Force. That's their G League team. A- after that, I mean, they've fallen off a cliff. I mean, those are supposed to be their young guys that were going to be key players. But they're they're worthless now. I mean, none's obviously not on the team. But Duncan Robinson has been falling off a cliff. Mm-hmm. They don't have cap space either, so it's not looking very good for them. Um, that kind of leads me into my next question. If they lose this game lose the next game somehow, what is the next step for the Miami Heat? Because they're kind of at this point where if they lose these two games, they're they're not contending anymore. Like, that's just for the next three years, I don't see them contending. What is the next step for this Miami Heat's team? Miami doesn't rebuild. They retool. Pat Riley's not – he doesn't want to rebuild, tank, and all that. They are going to retool. I think they're going to let guys like Lowry go. They're going to find someone to trade Duncan Robinson to. Haslam will obviously be gone. Uh, I think Hero will then be a full-time starter. Uh, I think they'll go out and try to get a point guard. And they're going to have to retool it, and then two years from now they'll be pretty good. They're going to find good undrafted, under-the-radar guys like they always do. They'll do okay in the draft. They've never quite been very good at drafting, but they'll figure it out. Who do you think is that like ideal point guard for them to go after? You mentioned that they're going to go for a point guard. Who is that guy? Uh, I'd say right now, let's see, because it's not Westbrook. Westbrook's going to be a free agent, but it's not going to be him. A guy like Jalen Brunson would be great, but I mean, it's kind of a it's a very bare point guard market at the moment. Because Steph is locked up. CP3 is not leaving the Suns. I don't see Kyrie coming to Miami. I just I don't see Pat Riley. I, I think Kyrie would be very good for them. But, yeah, I think they'd have to go get one in the draft. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure who at this moment because it's kind of a weak draft this year other than Wemby and uh, Scoot Henderson. But he's going to take him with the two pick, yeah. and the Heat aren't going to have the two pick. Scoot Henderson looks like prime Shaq, and he's a point guard. That dude is built he's gonna be good mm-hmm. i'd take him over wemby i don't trust wemby mm-hmm. but i don't know who the, who that is at this moment a guy like lonzo is what they really need but lonzo's not playing until 2030 <laughs> and he's he's gonna play for us it's, it's okay we just have to wait we have to be patient he'll, he'll be, be like five more he'll be like quincy pondexter <laughs> when he played for the wolves after missing like four years in a row that's then we're gonna look at him and be like who is that and it's like Oh, that's Lonzo. I know he looked familiar. I don't remember him with gray gray hair and a 10-foot-long beard. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, Josh, kind of moving on from the Miami Heat, I wanted to ask you if the Falcons go on, find a way to lose this game, um, or losing like the first – or the Hawks, not the Falcons, my bad, the Hawks. Uh, <laughs> same – Atlanta, same idea. Whoops. <laughs> um, if they find a way to lose this game or go into the first-round playoffs, lose that – first series against the Boston Celtics what is the next step for this Hawks team because they're kind of in that same boat as the Heat where they're kind of in between 
but it's a different scenario where they're still like a young team that's just trying to find their way. What what's the next step with that team? Um, well, I mean, they're gonna keep Trey Young. That's like their savior to them right now, Mr. Lollipop Hair. <laughs> um, they just they just locked up Bogdanovich. Uh, to a nice deal, so they'll have him for a while as well. And I think those two pair well together. And we've seen it. They've killed the Bulls before because both of them are pretty good at unlimited range. Um, I honestly think they're probably going to shop John Collins. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I know they were talking about it before, um, but they decided to keep him. And, I mean, he showed up. Um, but I feel like who's that other kid that they have? Um, that usually steps up when Trey he played when Trey didn't play when we played the Hawks a few weeks ago. Uh, Dejounte Murray. Yes, Dejounte Murray. They really like him too, so I think they're gonna keep. They're gonna have like a nice little trio right there with Bogdanovich, Murray, and Trey Young. I think they're gonna really build around them. Clint Capella is playing well for them as a center. I feel like they probably want a little bit more of a bigger guy. Um, to help with the defensive side of aspect in the paint. I mean, he's a good paint defender. I'm not going to knock him down. Um, like, kudos to him for everything he's done. But I feel like they, they need something bigger because I feel like he's just your more athletic go up and get a rebound, not really, like, keep points out of the paint. Um, and he's your good, like, you know, kind of Giannis build where you could just run down the middle with him and just lob to him. But... They want a bigger guy to kind of take the eyes off the rest of the trio and then have, you know, the side player who's really sneaky, you know, to really, like, run around. But I don't see them, like, blowing it up massively. I see them kind of like how Sackley said with the Heat. They're going to, like, reconstruct but in a smart way because there's no point in blowing it up because with that trio that you have, you have a solid, you know, front court you know like you really do you just have to fix a few more things and then you're solid you know maybe not you know nba finals run but a good winning team to not have to be in this situation in the plan you know get that sixth seed that seventh seed you know and just like be comfortable with where you're at but definitely not in like the nine or ten Seven, eight range when I just said it. Um, but, yeah, like that sixth or fifth seed, you know, and just be okay with where we're at and know that, hey, we might lose in this first round, but we know that we made the corrections we needed to to make it this far and be comfortable. And now let's kind of do it again, but still kind of do it smartly and slowly, not just blow up the whole team and ruin everything for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you were talking about, like, what you felt like they needed, there's one name that just sticks out, and he's going to be available again this offseason because the Timberwolves hated him, uh, Rudy Gobert. I think you, for Clint Capella and John Collins and then maybe a pick, you could get Clint Capella, or, uh, Rudy Gobert, who does everything that you just said they needed him to do. And I just think, I hear me out, Rudy Gobert had, did not have a great season. It was also the dumbest fit on the face of the earth on that Timberwolves. Yeah, that made no sense. Walker Kessler is literally going to be better than Gobert <laughs> in about nine months. And they're basically like the same player. Like what Walker Kessler is doing in Utah is what Rudy Gobert was Plus, doing. In his he can career. shoot. He has yeah. some type of ball skills. He's going to be with it. I mean, the Hawks are by far the most interesting team in the league to me. Like they made that weird run a couple years ago, Eastern Conference Finals, knowing that everyone seems to forget. <laughs> they fired Nick McMillan in the middle of the year. They signed 
Quinn Snyder, so that makes great sense. Time. I think Quinn Snyder's a great that makes He's a great coach, and that makes sense for Gobert. So that I 100% agree with that possibly happening. But this team should not be in, like a ninth seed right now, or eighth seed, sorry. They're too talented. Like, they've actually built this team pretty smartly. I mean, you got two good ball handlers with Young, DeJounte Murray. You got all these great wing guys with DeAndre Hunter. They got Sadiq Bey. A.J. Griffin's played really good. A.J. Griffin's a, a good rookie. I think they should play him more. They have the John Collins. They have a, two centers in Okongwu and Capella. I think they should get rid of one because that's just kind of redundant because they're basically the same player. Okongwu's yeah. just got a little bit more juice. I was going to say, I like Okongwu better yeah. than Capella. At this point, yeah, I agree with that. This team should not. I can see this team blowing this lead tonight and then losing to the mm-hmm. Raptors or Bulls and they're just being done. I could also see them beating the Celtics in round one <laughs> if they do win this game and having another weird run like they did a few years ago. This is by far the most interesting team in the league. I think a full year under Quinn Snyder will help. There's no reason why they should be this bad. Like This team is perfectly constructed to go and be a solid team in the East. It's just whether or not they want to do it. There's some games where they look tremendous. Like the first game after Nate McMillan was fired and they put up like 150 points and held the team under 100. They were like, wow, that's, that's a team we should have been seeing all year. And then you know, they had a losing record after that. Mm-hmm. I, who knows? This is a team we literally just have to wait and see what they want to do. The other thing is, I think like, the way you were talking, they're just very well constructed. They're missing their Jay Crowder, their PJ Tucker. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're missing that. Guy. They want Hunter. Hunter can do that. It's just he's always hurt. And I don't think he has like the voice in no, the locker room. He doesn't have I think the. That, the <clears throat> in him. I think that's what they need. They need a the PJ Tucker. They need Jay Crowder. They need a Pat Bev. One yeah, of those three yeah, guys. Yeah. They need a guy that would just get everybody in line. Trey Young wants to go out and do all this. He refuses to get his just shave his head already. <laughs> get DeJounte Murray, which you guys better hope Trey Young's not listening to the show. <laughs> which he has a full phone beef with Paolo Benchero for no reason. <laughs> I mean you got them, you got AJ Griffin posting TikToks. You got Capella just being Capella. I just <laughs> He's a very interesting-looking facial expression type of guy. He just looks like he's like, oh, wow, I'm in the NBA. He's like, what, what am I doing here? Catch a lob dunk. <laughs> it's just a, a stupid team. But there's no reason they should be like this. This is by far the most interesting team in the league to me. I, you know what? Screw it. I have them upsetting the Celtics in six. I think, I think this team has like even more of a ceiling than just upsetting yeah. the Celtics. I think they could make a run. Say what you want about Trey Young, but when it's a big game, he steps it up. Like they were the 10th seed. No, they weren't. They were the, I believe, a nine seed last year, and they won both playing games, two two road games, to make it into the playoffs. We saw the run two years ago. I mean, Trey Young. Everyone wants to say, oh, they the the Luka Doncic Trey Young trades one of the worst trades, but he led his team to the finals before Luka did. Every year he's 27, 6, and 5. May not be the most efficient, most beautiful, but he's doing it. Because I can very well see him scoring 30 a game against the Celtics, then everyone's on the Trey Young hype train again. Next, you know, better better Steph Curry, done it at a younger age. And get on that hype train, or I could see everyone just clowning him. It's going to just determine what they want to do, how they're going to do it. I think... When you're looking at this matchup, it's kind of funny because when you talk about it like that way, where Trey Young is this, he is a very like honestly underrated player. Yeah. Um, the Heat are kind of like the same way, just 
defensively built versus offensively built and older versus young. They have a star player who's extremely underrated except for in the big moments. That's Trey Young and Jimmy Butler. They have a very, you know, solid second star who is a very good defender in DeJounte Murray and Bam Adebayo. And they have a bunch of role pieces around that are good enough to, like, step up when you need them to, but not good enough to take you over the hump and take you, beat a team like the Bucks. Third, fourth best player is Brooke Lopez, and he's a defensive player of the year candidate. Bam Adebayo is the second best player on the Hawks and isn't. DeJounte Murray, or on the Heat and isn't. DeJounte Murray is the second best player on the Hawks and isn't anything besides, like, maybe a borderline all-star. You know, I think that they just need to figure out how to elevate the talent that they have on both these squads and just have some kind of next step because I feel like they're both sitting at this point where they don't know what that next step is. They're very confused on what that next step is because they feel like they should be good, but they just can't figure it out. And I think this game and this playoffs is going to be huge tell-all for both these teams. If the Heat somehow end up winning this game and making it into the playoffs, maybe they don't rebuild right away or don't blow it up. You know, if the Hawks lose this game and then lose the next game, maybe they decide to blow it up because they have no idea what this next step is. So whatever happens in this game and in the rest of the playoffs, it's going to be a very interesting offseason for one of these two teams. Yeah. John Gobert, I just want to say he's my donkey of the week. <laughs> First, the whole Minnesota Timberwolves. Jamie Daniels goes and punches a wall and breaks his hand. Yeah, he would be my donkey of the week. You have that. You have Gobert. Gobert is a certified locker room issue because the whole Donovan Mitchell hated him. It wasn't just because of that COVID thing. That wasn't that really wasn't that big of a deal because everyone ended up getting COVID. But it seemed no one really vouched for Gobert when he left the team. And then you, now you have him trying to punch Kyle Anderson because he said, "Why don't you go block some shots?" That's what we paid and sent you know thirty-seven and a half first-round draft picks for you to go do because Cat can't do it. This team, I mean, I love Anthony Edwards. Like, I would expect that stuff to come from him, like the young 19, 20-year-old that was saying crazy stuff pre-draft. He was the most mature out of all their players on this yeah. team. Yeah. I love his his mindset towards load management. It was like, I love hearing because it was like the most old-school take from the youngest guy. It was awesome. <laughs> like, he's done everything he's needed to do. I'm very impressed with Anthony Edwards. Everyone wants to talk about LaMelo Ball, but he's the best player from that draft. I, Anthony Edwards, you've had a great year. You've done everything right. You're a great dude. Everyone else on this team deserves to be sent to the, the Shenzhen Flying Leopards. That's an actual team. Oh God, Leopards. we're sending people to the minor league basketball team. Today. Oh, yes. Go <laughs> to this team. You're playing in the basketball league run by Dave Mowgli against the Albany Patroons, the Rochester Razor Sharks, the Jacksonville Giants who've won four consecutive ABA titles. That's where you guys deserve to go. Who did you banish last week? To that was the Hornets. Yeah, you banished and they the just, Hornets. And they just made a whole, I just read a whole, like, kind of news report saying how the Hornets aren't going to be trying to be big spenders of free agency. How we feel we can develop our players from within. Why, so P.J. Washington is just going to take his, like, sixth-year leap that you've been saying for four years. And, and you know, James Bognite's going to turn into that great two-way score just by getting seven minutes a game. And Kai Jones is going to be a defensive player of the year getting two minutes a game. And, Mark Williams is just the second coming of Akeem Olajuwon. <laughs> I hate the Hornets. <laughs> the basketball, no, not, at least the basketball league has an actual website. The American Basketball Association doesn't even have a website. <laughs> and they do, and it's from 1997. I looked it up. 
half the teams aren't listed, and it's just it's just chaos. You get twenty five. You win the game. You get twenty five bucks and a beer. That's where the Hornets need to be. I'm done. I'm tired of watching that team. They need to be banished. Is that why Jordan's selling? Yes, Michael Jordan may be the goat, but you are the lot least valuable, whatever LVP donkey. Donkey You're not a goat as an owner. Donkey. They got Mitch Kupchak, who's on like his third tenure as like the Hornets GM, who got fired from LA like two times as well. Why do we think he like? You, you re-signed Steve Clifford, who had like three different tenures that all sucked with the team. But yeah, he's our guy that's gonna sucked with every other team. He yeah, was a part so he of sucked too. with the Magic. <sighs> Relegated. <laughs> all right, Hawks are almost nearing that territory. <laughs> Um, with that, let's move on to the Western Conference play-in games. Uh, we need to talk about the Western Conference playoffs as a whole. Cause this is this is brilliant. This is I am so jacked for the Western Conference playoffs. You got Russ going against KD. I don't know why the Clippers didn't tank the last game. They could have played the Kings. It would have been a much better matchup. But they said, no, we're going to win the game. <laughs> Ty Lue came out. There was a report today. He lost five family members this year. He didn't go to a single one of their funerals because the team wasn't doing good enough. They are fully loaded and locked in. No Paul George doesn't matter. I'm predicting Russell Westbrook throwback performance, triple-double every game, sending KD back where he needs to go. That whole Brooklyn debacle is one of the most embarrassing sports things I've seen in the last decade. The Suns don't deserve to win. I'm tired of it. Devin Booker wants to talk all this trash. Freaking, he lost Kendall Jenner. That, and he wants to always trash talk Luka when Luka... Handed him his own butt on a silver platter. I Clippers in, in four. I'm calling it right now. Then you got the 3-6 matchup, which light the beam. I love the Kings. I love the Kings. I love everything about the Kings. But they're not beating the Warriors. The Warriors, they're going to win this first round. They're going to go and play with their sons, the Memphis Grizzlies. And Klay Thompson is going to torment Dylan Brooks for four games. We'll be six just because John Morant's had actually like John Morant's had an All NBA season twenty seven seven and seven. It's a shame that he did his little King Von stuff that kind of <laughs> overshadowed because he's had a tremendous season. It's a shame that's been overshadowed. Yeah, for sure. You have that, and then you have the Donkey of the Week Timberwolves in the playing game going against the Lakers with no Jaden McDaniels, no Gobert. Edwards is going to have to get like fifty seven points for this <laughs> team to win. I think the Timberwolves are going to fall out of the playing as a whole. They're going to lose both games. Lakers are going to give the Grizzlies a hell of a time in the first round. I six, seven games minimum. Uh, then you got Jokic and then the Nuggets. I think they're losing in the second round to whoever comes out of the Suns Clippers. This is the I'm way more jacked for the this the West playoffs mm-hmm. compared because they're all pretty evenly matched. Now if Zion wants to come back because he says he feels great, he just doesn't feel like Zion. The Pelicans could throw a wrench in the whole entire thing because they were in the one seed before he got hurt. I'm done. But the West Conference, it's going to be awesome. Let's let's go back and talk about the Timberwolves and Lakers. Let's let's talk a little in depth about that matchup. <laughs> exactly through his microphone, so he's got to get it back. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, what do you think the ceiling of this Los Angeles Lakers team is? Because they've been playing a little better in the second half of the season with all those additions after the trade deadline, and they're healthier now. What What is this team capable of? If everyone just stays healthy, if 
geriatric LeBron stays healthy and Anthony Davis stays healthy and everyone plays up to their full potential, they play the best that they can for the next two months. There's no reason why this team can't go to, like, the finals. There really isn't. I mean, AD's had one of the best offensive seasons we've seen in a while, 27 and, like, 12 on 55% shoot, 56% shooting from the field. Too bad he can't stay on the court. He just can't stay on the court. LeBron's had another whale of a season at age, you know, 69. Too bad he can't stay on the court. He just can't stay on the court. D'Angelo Russell has done everything they need him to do. He just can't stay, stay on the, on the court. court. Can't stay on the court, guys. <laughs> Jared Vanderbilt was a good addition. He can stay on the court. He just sometimes doesn't do it. He hasn't been, like, since he joined the Lakers, it was like he just turned off his, like, electricity. Yes. You know? It's, it's been very weird because when he was on the Timberwolves, he had the, and, like, when he was on the Jazz last year, he just had this energy. Yeah. Tool. It was like Lance Stevenson with the Pacers, but yeah. Lance Stevenson anywhere else, like, I'd rather have, like, Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> There's no reason why this team, if they just all lock in, Austin Reeves is going to show up. I know that. Oh, yeah, Austin he, Reeves is going to show up. He plays like the way you're supposed to. And play. he's going to get himself a bag. Yes, he <laughs> he's getting himself. I saw a whole conspiracy video how he's like an industry plant and like he was like destined to be like. No, it's not. He he was at Wichita State. He transferred to Oklahoma. And then he did well at Oklahoma. He was always very athletic. I remember watching him because I was an SIU fan. I remember watching him his freshman year at Wichita State. He looked very good. Back when they had Fred Van Vliet and all the guys. Mm-hmm. This team, if they just lock it in, Darvin Ham, I think, has had a very good first season as a coach. I feel good no matter who he has to be a solid coach. They're going to take care of business tonight. The Grizzlies are going to be a hard matchup for them, but I think they can. There's going to be no Steven Adams. They said he was going to be off for the whole entire playoffs, but he practiced today. So I don't know what's going on with that. PCL injury. That would help AD. Because if he has to go against Steven Adams, he's going to get hurt. Because Adams is just too strong. Just a monster. He's just Aquaman. He's literally <laughs> Aquaman. And I don't really know who's going to really guard John Morant. Because D'Lo can't get it done defensively. And that's that's their point guard. But if they can just get past the Grizzlies, then they play. Okay, well, they're not beating the Warriors. But they could give the Warriors some issues. Because they have not played well on the road. So if they can just win one game in the Chase Center, whatever they, the old Oracle Arena, whatever they call it, they could get past them. Mm-hmm. One thing about the Timberwolves is before you're saying Rudy Gobert and Jay McDaniels are out, Jalen Noel and Carl Anthony Towns are doubtful for tonight too now. What happened to Carl Anthony Towns? I have no idea, but I'm looking at an injury report, report right now and it has them listed as doubtful. They're tanking. They're tanking. <laughs> they want to miss the playoffs to get a – I'm sure it has some type of – Technicality where if they don't make the playoffs, they get a pick back or something. I don't know. <laughs> so how you were saying Anthony Edwards is going to have to put up like 56? Add like 20 more points. He's going to have to put up like 76. For if Anthony Edwards wins this game, he is my MVP pick for next season. That's who I have as my – I'm writing it before the, the season starts. He's my he's the new Kevin Garnett. Carlton Three Towns, I love him. He's been through a lot, but – he just doesn't have that dog in him. He just will not step up. In 2015, they made a pulse, and people said they'd rather have him than anyone else in the league. He, that's how good he was coming out of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. He's not lived up to it. He got scared by Jimmy Butler, and he couldn't even, like, rim run. He was just like, <laughs> I don't know what happened. That was his chance to step up. With Jimmy Butler, that team could have ran the West post 
Warriors, where they were kind of down for two years. That was their opportunity. But he led slip away. This team is they've never been a good franchise. This is now or never. Yeah. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, one of the biggest things with him and what like he's always just been good. He just never takes the next step. Like he doesn't improve any facet of his game. He's like happy with being able to be the three point shooting center, like the best three point shooting center of all time, one of the best. He's happy with that title and doesn't want to do anything else. He hasn't once tried to improve his defense. He hasn't once tried to become more of an athletic center because that's part of the big issue with him is that he can't like move in the paint. He has no idea how to jump. He has the same post moves he's had since Kentucky, the same little runner. He doesn't he doesn't lift very much. He doesn't not very impressive by any means. Like you look at the guys that were like coming into the league around him, like Giannis has done everything in his power to become a different yeah. player than he was when he was drafted. Yes. Joel Embiid has done everything in his power to be a different player than he it, was. To when stay he was on drafted. the court. Yeah. You know, Nicole Jokic has done everything he could to be a different player than he was when he was drafted. He stopped drinking a liter of Coke every day. <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns has been the same dude since that first day he got drafted. He's been the same dude since he stepped on to John Calipari in 2014. Another potential relegation team. <laughs> I was running the league. Relegated. Josh, what do you think the next step for the Timberwolves this offseason is going to be, considering that, you know, right now it looks like they're going to be the team that misses the playoffs? You know, I think it goes along with, like, shopping Gobert. Um, I feel like that's something that, that has to happen for them. Um, I mean, like we said, it didn't really work out that well. Um, I think getting um, Edwards some weapons would be helpful because I feel like he's like the heart and soul of this team right now. I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is doing it. Um, I feel like they should shop him as well. Um, but yeah, definitely surrounding Carl Anthony Towns with some weapons and some good defensive capabilities because he can take care of it on offense. Obviously not by himself. But I feel like getting him more defense because um, I feel like I think it goes back to the whole Atlanta thing. Like they wouldn't be in the situation if they had good defense, you know. Um, they wouldn't be where they are if they had that, you know, dominant big guy. Because like you said, Gobert, this was probably his worst season that he's had so far in his career. And what's, so, what's crazy is it wasn't even like that bad of a season. I think people are like overhating him sometimes. But like it wasn't a great season. It wasn't a great season considering what they gave up for him. But it wasn't like a bad season. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just think they don't need to go back to the drawing board, but they need to like move things around a little bit because I think that's the only way they're gonna get what they want defensively, especially with a guy like Gobert and or Car Anthony Towns when they shop them. But it'll also open up the doors for maybe them bringing up talent or if they um, see someone in the draft, like the, like we said, if they're tanking to try and get a top five pick in the draft. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with Gobert. He has not had anything since he's came to the league. He still has that broken mm-hmm. jump shot. Like if he just had like a somewhat decent mid-range jump shot, you know how good he would be? He'd be so much better. Or like just like a even like a hook shot runner, he hasn't had. Like I remember watching him in the twenty thirteen uh, Orlando Summer League, Las Vegas Summer League as well. It's the same thing. He just got a little stronger. That was it. 
Other than Anthony Edwards, who's the golden child of the Timberwolves, all relegated. <laughs> <laughs> Relegations. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the last play-in game here. We have the Oklahoma City Thunder going up against the Pelicans. Exactly, you talked about if the Pelicans get Zion back for this playoffs, they could be extremely dangerous. What do you think happens if they don't get Zion back? They lose. They lose first round. I think they'll win. Brandon Ingram's been playing tremendously. CJ McCollum's hungry as, as ever. Herb Jones. We were- Herb Jones and Trey Murphy. The, everyone on this team has stepped up except Zion. If he could just stay something like the Embiid, 66 games a year. 60 games a year. This team would literally be a – they've built it perfectly. They're just – their number uno does not step up. If they did get Zion, I could see them going to the finals. He's not going to play again this year. They can say whatever they want. They can make any timetable, this and that, give him ice, give him – we want him happy. He's pulling off a robbery. I think what will happen is they'll win this game because Brandon Ingram will go and get 30 like he did last year in the playoffs, and they'll beat – They'd play, what, the Timberwolves? They'll beat the Timberwolves. They'll be the eighth seed. And then they'll lose in six games to the the Nuggets. Yeah. What What do you think is, like, really wrong with Zion Williamson? Why does, why does he keep doing this? Like, it's just, like, constantly he's just randomly out with something. Nobody really knows it's just something. Like, what what is Zion's problem? He doesn't have... Obviously, he doesn't have strong joints. It doesn't help that he's naturally big like that, but in the past, he hasn't done what he's needed to do fitness-wise. Like, he showed up to the bubble looking like a three technique. He showed it. Didn't look very good. He got busted a few times going to Wendy's getting four burgers. With the, the fast food worker, the drive the, it's the drive through guy, he kind of exposed him. That and yeah, he just—I feel like he doesn't have the will to play. Like he's—he's he's fine with sitting out games at this point. Like he's like—he literally said today, "I feel good. I can do everything. I just don't feel like Zion." Okay, even if it's like 70 percent of, of Zion, that—that's very needed on your team. They have a gaping hole at power forward. Like they haven't been able to really find anyone to replace him. I—I just, I just think he just doesn't really care. Mm-hmm. To be honest, Josh. Kind of moving on from the Pelicans, I wanted to talk about the Thunder for a little bit. What do you think the ceiling of this team is? I think they have a very high ceiling, especially with that shy Alexander mm-hmm. kid. Um, and who's the um, the white boy with the long hair? Josh Giddy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think those two are an amazing duo for that that Oklahoma City team. Um, they also got they got other guys on that team that are really good for them. I just feel like uh, who's their big man right now? It's going to be Chet Holgram, but right now they're starting an undrafted rookie, Jalen Williams, the other Jalen Williams at center. And both Jalen Williams have been playing really well for yes, them. Williams, yeah, that's okay. That's the that, team that that's a first team all rookie in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That Usman Dang guy they got from mm-hmm. France. Whenever he's he's been injured, but whenever he plays, he looks good. Uh, I mean, obviously Giddy and Gilgis Alexander. That's a tremendous backcourt with Williams, and they get Holgram, and then they're going to get another four picks this year. They have a lot of good players on this team. This team, I think right now, maybe their ceiling would be to get into the eighth seed and, you know, give the Nuggets, you know, five games. Uh, but next year, I could see them being a top four or five team in the West. Yeah. I mean, Shea, Shea Gil just Alexander. I, 
we were talking about underrated players before. He's so good. He is just so fluid. The way he plays basketball, he just like slices through everything like it's cake, like it's the beautiful. softest cake. He just Hot knife through butter. It's literally that. And he like he, everything just looks so like effortless. He's so flowy and stuff. And like, Josh Giddy is kind of like that too. If he was like a, if those two were like a food, it'd be like that. You go to like a deli. It, it's the older gentleman that works there. He knows how to do everything right. And you get like a nice like I, I did this yesterday at work. You get a nice ham, turkey, and American cheese. There's the right amount of mayo, the right amount of tomatoes. They didn't put the onions because I only like onions. And it's just so refreshing. And it just tastes good. That's what their games are. He's he's basically saying to make it easier, the scene from Ratatouille when Remy eats yeah. the cheese <laughs> yes. and strawberry. Everything's together. meshing and like his, yeah, his that's brothers just, that's like what too he's far talking away. about for the people at home. It's like, just everything is meshing. The math is mathing. It's just <laughs> wonderful. Uh-huh. And then like you add on Chet Holmgren, who in that summer league before he looked like you know a little kid and guy. <laughs> he's like, pawned some muscles since his time. Which being is out. what what the big thing is is he just need to put on a little weight. That yeah. dude's gonna be. One he's of the got best another, defensive players of all time. He's got he another six, seven months before the next season starts to punch some more muscle. I was going to say, if he could turn into a Giannis body type, he's going to be terrifying. That's kind of who he reminds me of. Yeah. If he can put on that weight like Giannis did, I think he could be a Giannis talent. Yeah, and if they could get that French kid healthy too and playing with that duo yeah, right now, yeah. I think that'd be the best thing in the world for that Oklahoma team. Be because in my – like he said – exactly said when – Go give the Nuggets maybe five games. In my opinion, I say play your best game for the plan. Obviously, don't just throw on purpose, but lose it. Yeah? Lose it. Recuperate. Don't blow up anything. Don't reconstruct anything. You have all the pieces you need, right? Get this kid bigger. Get Chet bigger, like a Giannis, and you have probably the next defensive player of the year. Get this French kid healthy, and you probably have, like, you can have like a he could be like the sixth man of the year or something, you know, like that Oklahoma City team could end up obviously like I've said before, this could be a team that doesn't have to be in this playing situation. They could be that fourth, third, heck, even one if they really wanted to, you know, when everyone's healthy, just like the Pelicans. Heard KD wants to come back, <clears throat> and <laughs> my God, if they got KD, bro. <laughs> Um, but, yeah, this team could be that team that doesn't have to worry about being in the plan, you know. They can comfortably ride and really just, like, buckle down and know that no one's going to get past them, and they can be in that top five seating instead of six, you know. They can be the team that everyone fears, and I think that's what, in my opinion, they need to do. They need to not purposely throw but lose this game and just focus on getting that team chemistry and getting these these guys healthy and back and just really start to roll over the summer with, you know, the open gyms that they go to and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But really start to get everything flowing, you know, because, what, October they start back up again? And, I mean, time moves fast for some people, you know. And I think with the NBA, I think that's probably the fastest moving type of time, in my opinion, because it's only 82 games. You get a couple months off. Not a couple, but you get a decent amount of time off, but right Right then and there, it's you're going. So, I mean, I think this is a time for them to really, like, bond, mesh, stay healthy, get strong. Oh, my God. And um, <laughs> really just <laughs> really just um, become that, like, scary, you know, scary hours team yeah. in the NBA. 
Them, and then for the Eastern Conference, I think the Magic could do that. Mm-hmm. They're built very well as well. I think both, both these teams, what they've done is just like said, we're just going to draft everybody and keep the guys who are going to stick around. It's yeah. literally add maybe one or two guys. Like, like there's really not a guy in either one of these teams that's like, oh, well, he's just like a, a fill-out of roster. Spot. It's like, oh, yeah, he was a second-round pick. He had, like, Trey Mann was a guy that kind of got forgotten this year. He just went out and had a triple-double on the last. And he looked tremendous doing it. He plays well when he does play. Yeah. Every- he's like, that's a guy you, like, have. They're, like, they know they have those guys, and they're like, I'm going to trade him in two years when yeah. I need to. When I need to go out and get a KD-type guy, yeah. I can trade him. They're going to be good. It's going to be – it's it's their Taylor and Horton Tucker, basically. Yes. They just got him for trade bait for the next two, three years. Yes. Um, I I think this team, like even this season, if they wanted to, they could go out and sweep the play in, maybe even win a first-round series. You know, I'm kind of rooting for them to get into the playoffs. Because they're going to be fun. Mm-hmm. They're going to have them than the, the Timberwolves. Exactly. I hate the Timberwolves. Relegation. <laughs> this team should not be this bad. They have – Two legitimate all-stars in Edwards. It really three. Gobert has been an all-star. D'Angelo Russell's been an all-star before, too, and they had him at the beginning. You have Mike Conley. Who's been an (laughs) 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 all-star. We play this game every year with the Timberwolves. We said, oh, they're going to see you next tech back when they had Kevin Love, Nikola Pekovic, who's now, like, the biggest drug trafficker in Serbia, (laughs) believe it or not. Rubio and Alexi Shved and all the guys. That never Shabazz happened. Shabazz Muhammad. Yes. The guy lied about his age to get into the NBA. Was supposed to be the next coming of Jesus Christ. And then just yes. sucked. And just was that one left-handed guy that just took bad shots all yeah. the time. And then we said it was going to happen with Butler, Wiggins, and originally with Wiggins, Cat, and Levine. But then Butler, Wiggins... Everyone else that was on that team. And then we said it was going to be, you know, D'Lo and, and Kat, you know, back together because they were, like, friends or something back in the day. Like, they were on that legendary, like, Vine where he was like, uh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember the name of the I'm talking about? <laughs> that didn't happen, so then they had to get Pat Bev to, you know, show them how to play basketball the correct way for a year. Then they traded him for Gobert. And then that didn't work out. And then now we're back to square one. Relegation. <laughs> um, we got about five minutes left here before we take a quick break we wanted to do a draft this episode for that we were going to do uh, our best top three final week of the season games the best the best day maybe excuse me is the final game of the season where all the bench warmers all the G League guys come up it was just awesome it was Kenneth Lofton 42 point game Udonis Haslam is goaded <laughs> He got his rocket chair. Matt McClung, 29-9. You had uh, Peyton Pritchard, 30-point triple-double. Trey Mann, triple-double. Theo Pinson, still, I didn't know he was in the NBA still. He had a triple-double. That's what it's all about. Without further ado. Exactly. Who's your first pick in this draft? Got to go with uh, Udonis Haslam, 24 points, two threes, a couple dunks in this final game. At age 42, the most points ever at age 42. Tremendous performance. He showed us that he really is more than just a player coach. He can still play. Uh, With my first-round pick, uh, Jamal Crawford, when he was age 74 or whatever, playing for the Phoenix Suns back in 2019, uh, they were, you know, not doing well. 
at the end of the season, they brought in Jamal Crawford to kind of help out. He drops 51 points in the last game of the season, which was basically one of his last games of the year of his career until he signed with the Nets like the year later because he just got bored and wanted to play basketball still. And he balled out in the uh, bubble for a little bit, but didn't really do much. But that 51-point game from Jamal Crawford with the Phoenix Suns back in 2019 Josh, who's your first round pick? Kenny Lofton Jr. He dropped a double double. The kid has some talent. That guy is a dog. He's gonna be a really, really good NBA player. Yeah. Exactly. Your second round pick? Uh, I gotta go with Obi Toppin back in 2022, last game of the season. He had like 40 points and 10 rebounds, and he had a good game. Mm-hmm. Days ago, 30 points. But yeah, that 40 point back to back 40 point games. The end of the 21-22 season, I think that's mine. Uh, my second pick, I'm going to go with a guy from this season. You guys both kind of grabbed two. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bucks, a point guard, Lindell Wigington, uh, mostly because his name is just hilarious. But the last week where the Bucks were just resting everybody when they locked up the first seed, uh, he was putting up about like 20 and 9 per game, like just balling out. Um, so shout out to him. I was using him in 2K as one of my, you know, garbage time guys in my franchise mode, and I have him balling out in there too. So shout out Lindell Wigington. Josh, your second pick? I don't have one. <laughs> well, go, go ahead. he's trading his pick to right. Uh With that, I'll take Sean Kilpatrick. He was kind of the reason why we weren't able to get a we had we kind of had to settle for the seventh pick in 2018 because he like the last week of the season he went we Bulls went like three and one he averaged 25 points a game and then because of that we cut him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going with one that you know Josh I think you're you're missing out on this pick but Kobe's final game of his career oh, yeah. 60 points yeah, insane game just went nuts. Um, I'm pretty sure they ended up losing that game. No, they won. Oh, they no, won in the overtime. Yeah, they won the overtime. Yeah, the young Jazz. Yeah, that was that was just a legendary game. R.I.P. Kobe. No, watching that it was nuts. Yeah, that was that was just something else. Like the whole, it was just a different vibe. That game didn't matter at all. Yeah, but it was like playoff fucking uh, NBA Finals, just total just atmosphere. Yeah, it was, it was something different for sure. <laughs> all right, folks, we are gonna take a quick break here. When we come back, we're gonna do our own personal mock draft so stay tuned for that see you in a bit all right folks welcome back to the blue jay boys show if you missed that first half of the show we were talking about the nba play-in games and giving you guys a little preview of the nba playoffs ended it with a draft of our best final weeks of the seasons for players now we're going to be moving on talking a little nfl as we're getting closer to the nfl draft here we wanted to do our own top 10 mock draft right now the panthers have that first overall pick exactly what are they doing with that pick i think that they're personally i think they're going to go ahead and draft cj stroud why do you think they're going to take cj stroud i mean personally i feel that uh bryce young's the best player i'm not best quarterback in this draft but Rick wright doesn't really like small quarterbacks and i feel that they feel he's the safest pick and the way Josh McCown was talking to him at his pro day, basically saying, hey, when you get to Charlotte, we'll meet up or whatever. I think that's uh, I think that's who they're going with. Josh, who are the Panthers taking with that first pick? Um, I think the Panthers are taking um, – sorry, I'm blanking. C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think they're going to take him, even though they said that, um, you know, that Bryce Young is right now, he's the most ready at a quarterback position to really play in today's game. Um, but I just don't think Frank Reich would want to take a chance on that because he's kind of on the smaller side of the quarterback aspect. He's smaller than Kyler Murray, and that's a problem, you know? And I think that's a major problem for some teams, but I don't think for a team like the Texans that might be, you know, because you, you still have uh, – they still have Laramie Tunsil, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think – Having some kind of protection is what the Texans are like. All right, we have them. Let's just take them. But I think C.J. Stroud has a better arm than Bryce Young, in my opinion. Um, he's a little bit behind Stroud with the whole game-ready type thing, but I feel like he's a very adaptive quarterback, and I feel like that's what's the best thing about him, and that's what's kind of intriguing for some of these teams looking at him for the game. So. Yeah, I think when it comes down to it, it's – you know, CJ Stroud, I think, is the more NFL-ready but the lower ceiling out of those two guys. I think Bryce Young is going to have a little bit of a learning curve going into the NFL just because of his size, but I also think he is probably the most talented out of the two. I think overall, if he hits his ceiling, that ceiling is a higher ceiling than what CJ Stroud has. At the same time, um, I think Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling out of any quarterback oh, yeah, in this draft. Um, I think... Knowing the NFL and knowing storylines that teams like to create, uh, Anthony Richardson is Cam Newton 2.0, and I think the Panthers take Cam Newton 2.0. I think there's a lot of, you know, he's a lot of the reason that teams are willing to trade up into this third overall pick. Like you, we were talking about this in the break, and we'll talk about it with that third pick coming up here, that teams are willing to trade up and to try and get that third pick because I think Anthony Richardson is that guy. I don't think it's C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. I think people are looking at Anthony Richardson. I think the Panthers are going to come out and surprise everybody and take him with that first overall pick. With that second pick, who do you guys think is going there? Josh? Um, I think Bryce Young. He's going to go in that second round. I think the Texans I think the Texans had him locked ever since they knew that they were getting that second pick. Um, I think uh, even though the Bears trading down and giving Panthers one, I don't think that really changed their mind. I think Bryce Young has been the quarterback they've wanted um, since they knew that their season was, you know, going to really tank and fall. Um, I even think if we would have got second and they would have got first, I think they were still going to take Bryce Young no matter what. Um, I feel like that's their guy. Yeah, I'm going Bryce Young at number two. I think that's been, even when they were, when they were the, the number one pick before they Lovey Smith pulled his miracle week eighteen. That was who they were mocked the entire time. I, I think it's Bryce Young. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you guys on this one. I it's consensus consensus Bryce Young with yeah. this pick. I think and, sorry. Nope. John John Mechie is on that's they're gonna be their number two receiver this year. Maybe even number one because Brandon Cooks is gone. I think they like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I think he just he fits well with this team because he's going to grow with this team. I think that's what they really want is like, again, the same thing what I was saying before. C.J. Stroud is probably the more NFL-ready guy, but I don't know if they really want that right now because I think they're they're willing to be bad for a couple more years. They're willing to be bad and let Bryce Young take his you know hits, let this team grow as a unit, and then move forward from there. I think they, they tried it with an experienced earlier NFL-ready quarterback when they drafted Deshaun Watson. I think Deshaun Watson was a guy that they were sure was an NFL-ready guy, and yes, he elevated their game, 
but at the same time, it kind of went to garbage when they didn't give him what he wanted. If you have a young guy who's growing with the team and he's on the same path as that team, I think it fits better and it's easier to appease him as a player and as a person and grow with him versus a guy who was playing well, is still playing well, but the team's not playing well, and then he's mad at you because the team's not playing well. And this, you have a little more of a leeway with this guy and hope that you know he can grow and help this team grow all together. So I think Bryce Young's that second pick. Exactly with that third pick, what's happening there? I think the Colts trade up to number three to cement that they get a quarterback. And for me, I mean, first was C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. Colts going number three. You got Shane Steichen, who had Jalen Hurts. I think they want to. He wants to get a similar type player, a similar similar skill set, and go get Anthony Richardson and all that potential that he has. Josh, who's your third pick? I would take if. Well, here, let's see. Because I'm just thinking, because, you know, there have been talks about trade scenarios with, um, you know, people calling the Cardinals recently a lot. Um, hmm. I could possibly see someone like, you know, Atlanta or even the Raiders trading up to three. Um, I know they don't really have a lot to give besides the Raiders with, like, a Devontae Adams. Um, so I could see them maybe possibly trading up to three, taking on Anthony Richardson um, to really learn from Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the best quarterback, but he's not the worst. So I think that is a good learning experience for Anthony Richardson. But I can also see Anthony Richardson possibly starting over him once we see that little downfall slope uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo's performance. So I think that's what the maybe like the Raiders or the Falcons, because I know you don't like um, what's his face, Ritter. Yeah, um, I could see them putting putting in um, Anthony Richardson from the start, from the get go, because you know he has that Falcons defense is amazing, and then they just resigned some of their big guys on the front O line, and I mean what you have Cordell Patterson, Drake London. Kyle Pitts. Uh, so, I mean, you, that's a, it's a good offense, you know. It's a good offense to surround him in. And we've seen so far he has a, he has a cannon of an arm. Anthony Richardson is really gifted. Um, you know, people don't want to say it, you know, whenever I watch interviews and it's it's goofy. They're acting childish, but it's for views. But he could be like the next Patrick Mahomes. You know, the, the kid's really talented. He can run. He can make outlandish throws. He can escape the pocket and escape pressure and still make you look goofy and get the job done. So, yeah. um, With this third pick, I think a lot of it, and I think the Falcons are a team that could possibly be in on that third pick. It all has to do with what happens with Lamar Jackson. I think we're going to find that out on draft night. Uh, I think there's going to be a move of some kind uh, because I think the, fa- the uh, Ravens want a this year first round pick, at least one this year first round pick. So we'll see what you know, some of these teams do. I think if Atlanta doesn't think they can get Lamar Jackson, there's definitely a huge shot they trade up. Um, with this third overall pick, if I'm thinking about from the Cardinals' standpoint and if they just stay and keep this pick, I think Will Anderson's the easy pick for them. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I wanted to ask you guys about Will Anderson a little bit. The whole entire, like, offseason, since the beginning of the offseason, Will Anderson was pegged as, like, one of the top three players in this draft. And then now slowly for kind of, like, I don't know, I wouldn't say no reason because a lot of it is that, you know, he's not really doing a lot of the workouts this offseason. Um, you know, people are worried about, like, his 
ceiling, honestly, in the league. What, what do you guys think is the reason Will Anderson is kind of dropping in favor for a lot of these teams? Because he's been around so long. We, he's been mocked to be a top three player since the end of his sophomore season. When you look at a guy under that microscope for that long of a time, you're going to find little inconsistencies or little tangibles that you don't like. But, you know, guys like that might go ahead of him, like Tyree Wilson, okay, we didn't know about him a year ago. We, then we do, oh, he's, wow, he's that big. Or, you know, guys like that, they haven't been under the microscope that long. But since he's basically been, you know, noted as a top two pick for since for two years now, oh, he doesn't bend as well as we'd like or this and that. Oh, he doesn't use speed. And, yeah, he's fine. It's just when you give NFL scouts that much time to look at a prospect, they're going to find stuff that's wrong with him. That's, that's why, you know, a guy like Zach Wilson, for example, he, no one knew about him going to his last year about BYU. Then all of a sudden, oh, he's a great year. Number two overall pick. Guys like, you know. Oh, Mr. Bisky. Yeah. <laughs> like that sadly Mr. Bisky yes. <laughs> yeah um do you think that because of that a lot of these analysts are kind of you know overthinking it when they're talking about their mock drafts and stuff like that like Mel Kuyper has the Cardinals trading down now with the Titans do you think that they're all just kind of like blowing it out of proportion that the Cardinals are just going to take Will Anderson like that's just the reality of it what, what's ha- what's happening with them I think I think they're blowing it out of proportion. I I don't I think I can see the if the Cardinals don't trade and don't find anything juicy enough at their doorstep to really trade that number three pick, I could see them drafting Will Anderson and being one hundred percent fine. You know, I think some of these these analysts are kind of you know cuckoo in the head because they'll say they've been around they've been around the game so long they've seen it before. This and that, and like like Sackley said, you know, it's the little tangibles that people are, get worried about and whatever, but I feel like although he's been looked – Will Anderson has been looked at since his sophomore year, I feel like he obviously stayed around a little while longer to perfect his game so he wouldn't have to perfect it in the league. Because it, it goes back to, like, sometimes when guys make it into the NBA even, like we saw – what's his name? Dennis – Smith Jr., he, or no, Markel Fultz, sorry. His shot changed like seven times ever since he was drafted, you know? And I feel like that was something that uh, Will Anderson probably wanted to avoid because he knew his technique was perfect in his head and he just wanted to perfect it on his own and with the talent he had around him. So I think that's why, you know, these scouts and whatever are like, oh, Maybe this may not be a that good of a choice, you know, but I think that the Cardinals are 100% confident in whether they pick him or whoever that, you know, even though he is a little bit older and, yeah, he stayed in college a little while longer, he earned his name for himself and even his nickname, you know. Like, he earned that, and he worked for it, you know, and I feel like if they do take him at three, they're going to feel completely confident at what with what they're getting at three. All right, moving on to that fourth pick, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Sackley Hughes had them trading up with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. If they keep that fourth pick, what are they taking with that fourth pick? Assuming the Cardinals take Will Anderson, let's say that. Yeah, so I had, as you said, the Colts. If the Cardinals then kept the fourth, I'd have Will Anderson. But if the Colts kept the fourth pick, if Richardson's there, I think Richardson. If not, I think Will Levis. Josh, what do you think? I'm thinking the same thing. Um, if 
They pick Will Anderson at three with the Cardinals. I think I don't think they don't take a chance on Will Levis. I think they take the chance on Anthony Richardson. And I I don't wanna okay, I don't wanna say taking a chance. I think they'll they'll be confident with Anthony Richardson. I think that's something that they can build around definitely. They have a good O line, they have a good running back, they know that he can escape the pocket if anything goes wrong. Um, I just think that they're really weak in the wide receiver area, and I feel like that's something that they can go and target later in the rounds or and and or trade for. So I think that, you know, if Anthony Richardson fell that far to four, I act like that's a lot. Um, you know, I I feel like they feel really, really more confident with Richardson than a guy like Will Levis. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you guys feel like the ceiling of Will Levis is compared to the other top three quarterbacks in this draft? I, I feel like the ceiling is... It's not that high. I feel like once he plays like at least a season or two, that's it. Like I, I just I on like he's a good quarterback. I'm not trying to you know shoot him down or whatever. He's a great quarterback, okay. But he, I don't think he's the guy that you want to build around. I honestly don't. And it's not that because he's this or that or, I mean, he has a cannon of an arm. He's a great. Like, he can read the field really well when he plays football. But I just, in my opinion, I just don't want to build around that, you know? I, I Not not around the attributes that he has. I just don't want to build around him, you know? I'd rather have an Anthony Richardson who's young, a lot more talented, a lot more faster. I feel like Will Levis is a lot of just stand around in the pocket and throw, not really, like, make a move and go throw. Yeah, we don't need him to be super flashy, but... We need to be confident that we can rely on him to really get things going on offense. I feel like Will Levis takes a couple hits here and there, and it's kind of like he starts getting a little shaky, shakier than even Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, you know? Yeah. Exactly. What do you think of Will Levis? I think the physical upside's there. I mean, he's huge. He posted a picture. Colin Coward got all mad about it, but he's you know, Colin, jacked. He's, Colin Coward makes me so mad. I, he's, I mean, he's 6'4". He... I mean, 2022, yeah, he had no mobility, but that's because he was playing through a lot of injuries. If he heals his legs up, he has solid mobility, not, you know, like a Josh Allen or Cam Newton, but good enough to, you know, maybe uh, zone read here and there. Uh, for me, it's he has all the physical skills. He obviously has a cannon. It's more so the mental side of the game. I don't know how, you know, he threw a lot of interceptions despite missing time. He's kind of an odd guy. I mean, he puts mayonnaise in his coffee and he eats bananas with the peel. I know that's kind of like it, but he's kind of an odd guy. Quarterbacks, you know, it's that there's personality that matters. It's the quarterback's personality, and I don't know. He's he's a little odd. I will say though, the best quarterbacks in the league recently have been odd, odd guys. Aaron Rodgers is an odd dude. He's odd, but he's always been odd. Justin Herbert's a, a little weird. He's, really he's just quiet. quiet. He's, yeah. just, he's awkward. He is. Yeah, because he doesn't like cameras. Yeah, he grew I mean, up in Oregon where there was no people. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm just saying. I mean, it could it could work in his favor. Um, I don't know. I think Will Levis, and I, I liked what Josh was saying where he was like, Will Levis is meant to be starting as a rookie on a team that's already competing. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs to be on like a Rams or something. Or uh, Kansas City. Well, like a backup, you know. Yeah, like, but like they're not. He needs but to be no, like like, like the Ram, the Rams. I get you know, like and that, it needs that, to be a, a, yeah. a Saints, a yeah. team like that. Say the Dolphins, say to a 
Yeah, it's even the head, Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to bed and he calls it quits a team like that. Like he needs to be on that team. And like you were saying, he, he the Colts aren't the team for him. Yeah. You know, the Colts need somebody that a lot like the Texans, they need somebody they can build with. Yeah. And he's not a guy they can build with. No. Because I, I, I've, how old is he? Like 23, 24, 22. 22. So, I mean, he's he's in phenomenal shape, you know? But a guy in phenomenal shape like that trying to move around in the pocket and play in the AFC, like maybe like in the Dolphins division, uh, it's, it's a bit iffy. You know, you take a couple hits enough of the time, that's – you're not going to end up like Tua, but your body's going to take some nice wear and tear. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this fifth pick, which is held by the Seattle Seahawks. What are the Seahawks doing with this fifth pick, Zachary? I think they go Tyree Wilson. I feel like he's obviously a specimen. I feel like that's a Pete Carroll pick. That's just Seahawks. They they need an edge rusher. The only edge rusher they have is Uchenna Nwosu. They did get they went out and they got Draymond Jones. So I feel three technique isn't as big as a deal. They, I mean, they did get Bobby Wagner to help sure up the inside at middle linebacker. I think Tyree Wilson. Josh, who do you think they're taking with this pick? I think they go with uh, Brian Breesey, uh from Clemson. I think. I mean. Breesey was uh, injury-prone a lot of the time during his time at Clemson, but, I mean, he was a very impactful player when he was on the field. And I feel like adding it to that uh, defense already, um, like it's not the worst and or best defense, but it it is a consistent defense. And I feel like adding a piece like that where, you know, I mean, he Brian's a pretty big dude. You could uh, shade him down to how – who's the Titans guy we just got for the Bears? Walker, I mean, even Walker, he's an edge player, but sometimes he bumps down to even a three. I feel like Brian uh, would really benefit in that type of role um, and help the inside run because I don't see him being as fast as he was as an edge player, and I feel like that can contribute to the Seattle defense a lot. Yeah, I mean, with Brian Breesey, the big thing that he has going for him is what you were saying is that he's able – I think he's a guy who could play to end or tackle in the NFL. Yeah. Like, he has that type of ability, and he's going to be a – He's going to be a three guy on a lot of teams where he plays that three technique, but I think you could bump him out to end. Um, I wanted to ask you guys, though, uh, I saw a couple you know, reports about this, and I keep talking about Mel Kuyper, but he's the draft guy. He was saying there's a shot that the Seahawks could go quarterback with that fourth quarterback, whoever's left. Do you think there's any chance they could do that, even, even with the Geno Smith extension? I don't think so. Yeah, I think it's highly unlikely, honestly. It's not worth – Jeopardizing Geno Smith. You have a if they they've added good players in free agency. If they if they knock out the draft, they have a chance to be like a serious contender. By the time five comes around, at minimum you'll get the third best QB in the draft. It's just not, in my opinion, worth it. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, do that next year. Go get Caleb Williams or Drake May or someone like that. I just don't think. It's worth it right now. I mean, Geno Smith is still young. He had a tremendous one of the best seasons in uh, franchise history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if it happened. I think, you know, when we were talking about teams that Will Levis would fit on, Seahawks are a team that Will Levis would fit on. Yeah. I think that's, that's a guy that if he's sitting there and they don't 
have enough faith in the defense alignment that are left. Like, if they don't trust Jalen Carter because of everything that's been coming out about him, and I think that's what a lot of people have them taking right now, or they don't trust uh, Tyree, they don't trust Brian Breesey. For some reason, I think that's a guy that, like, you just go, yeah, we should just grab him because somebody else is. Yeah. Is there any shot you see the Seahawks possibly trading this pick? Mm, maybe, but I don't know how far they would want to drop. Mm-hmm. They're not going up. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I do not know how far they would want to drop. I could see them maybe talking to Chicago because I know Chicago, there's talks about them wanting to trade back up or even down even more. So, like, I could see them maybe moving up and then trading down again. Um for Chicago, but I can see them trading with Chicago, going to nine, and seeing what their options are and see who's on their board left. Because um, I think they definitely want to stay at least in the top 15. I don't think they want to drop below 15 because I think everything that they have on their board might disappear. Um, and then they have to move into their second round, guys, uh, and take picks there. But, um, yeah, it just it's a maybe. I think they're pretty confident with what they want to do, whether it's Tyree Wilson or Brian Breesey or, I mean, heck, even some people are saying Bijan Robinson, which I'd be really surprised about. Um, but, yeah, it just depends on how far they want to drop. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next pick, which is the Detroit Lions. A lot of people had them taking one of these top defensive line prospects, but today they traded Jeff Okuda away. Do you think that means anything for this pick? Who are the Lions taking with that pick? Um... I wouldn't be surprised if they take uh, Witherspoon from Illinois. He's a great corner. Um, he was a dog last season. He had, I think, didn't he lead the college football in, like, pass breakups or something like that? I know he had he was holding some stat. He, he was really good for Illinois. He was really good for college football. But I know that they're saying um, Jalen Carter is projected to, uh, to go there to the Lions. And, honestly, that would probably be the most terrifying thing as a Bears fan. Because their defense already is amazing. It's it you can't deny that. Um having Jalen Carter and you have Aiden Hutchinson on the same line, that's like the most terrifying run defense line you'll ever see in the league, probably right now. Besides, you know, Chris Jones by himself. Yeah. Exactly. What do you think the lines are doing with this pick? I mean, prior to today I thought they were gonna take like a Jalen Carter or like maybe a Tyree Wilson. Anderson, if he was somehow still available. But, I mean, you trade Jeff Okudia. I mean, that was their starting corner. I thought he played pretty well this year. Uh, I, I, now, I guess I got to lean towards Christian Gonzalez from Oregon. That's the number one corner DB in this draft, other than Witherspoon. But I think that's who they're going to go with. This regime likes, you know, bigger, more athletic players, like, you know, the Penny Sewells, the Aiden Hutchinson. The Aiden Hutchinson's they yeah. like bigger, you know. Gonzalez is a little bigger than Witherspoon. I think that's who they're going to go with. Yeah, I, th- I think Gonzalez is the guy. I think he has the most athletic ability out of the two. I think Witherspoon's an extremely good corner, but I think Christian Gonzalez just has the biggest mold out of the two. And kind of what you were saying, he's just a little bit bigger, and I think they like that. Um, I, I wouldn't say Jalen Carter's out of the mix yet either, though. Um I think he fits so well into that defensive line. I think that defensive line is going to be one of the best in the league out in two years if they get a guy like Jalen Carter just because I think he's that type of talent or has the ability to be that type of talent. But at the same time, I don't don't see why you trade Jeff Okuda away, 
especially for a bag of chips. I don't know. Fifth round pick was wild. Pennies, man. Like I, I don't understand how they couldn't get more for him, or if they just like didn't want more and just wanted to get rid of him. Why? Why do you think they traded him for that? I would have to guess they just didn't want to give him his fifth year extension. That's what it probably came down to. Cause they, he missed most of his first two years. He didn't play very well as rookie year. He tore his Achilles week one, twenty twenty one. And they were like, this is a player we don't feel like giving that. Because he's number three overall pick, so that's like a $20 million fifth-year option. I just think I think that's what it came down to. They said, hey, we added some DBs in free agency. We can go get one with the sixth overall pick. It'd be no issue. Yeah. And I think, I think that's probably exactly what happened. It was just when you have a guy like that, and I think he has a lot of upside. I think they're – they, they're okay with missing out on that upside because they think that one of these other guys could just fill in on that upside. Yeah. And that's completely possible. That I mean, now in Atlanta, A.J. Terrell and Jeff Okudia, that's that's a great duo. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I think Atlanta's going to be a real sleeper team this year. Yeah. Especially, we we got to figure out what they're doing at quarterback. But honestly, even with Desmond Ritter, I think they could still be a I think Ritter team. can be, in that offense, you're basically a game manager. You're going to have a good run game. You're going to run the ball a lot. He has two tight ends. He's got a big receiver. It's just play action pass. He can use it. He he can run, so that helps. And it's just going to be don't mess it up for us. Before we keep talking about the Falcons, we'll talk about them in a little bit when we get to pick number eight. Number seven with the Oakland Raiders, who are they taking? If the Lions don't take them, I'll take Witherspoon at seven. I feel like that would be a good addition to that Raiders defense because right now they weren't. They weren't good last season. They really weren't. And I think he helped that cornerback section of that team. Exactly. Who are the Raiders taking? I mean, at this point, I got the top four quarterbacks off for the drafts. So I don't think they would pick Hendon Hooker. I don't think they're that crazy. They really don't need a quarterback. They have so many holes on their team. I think now that Gonzalez is gone, I think they go offensive tackle. They pick Paris Johnson. They need... They need offensive linemen. Yeah. I think, you know, Devin Witherspoon is still out there. I think it's, it's going to be one of a cornerback or an offensive tackle. And I think when teams take one of those two guys and they're in the position the Raiders are, that means they're planning on getting the number one pick next year. I think that's, yeah. that's what they should go for. Is If you take an offensive tackle or a corner, you know that guy's going to do his thing, but he's not going to win you games. So you have talent you, that you build up for a little while, and then you go out and get Caleb Williams next year. I think that's their big plan. I mean, it, there's a shot that like a guy like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson drops them, like potentially, but I don't think either of those guys are better than just saying this season's a wash. We'll play hard. We'll do our best, but we're gonna win two games and get that first overall pick. And I think that's probably where the Rangers should go with this one. <clears throat> Let's go back to talking about the Falcons with that eighth overall pick. Who are the Falcons taking with that one? They don't need offensive line. Uh, they upgraded their defensive line. <sighs> they now have Okuda and Jesse Bates to go with AJ Terrell. They have running backs. You're not going to pick a running back and pick eight anyway. I think they go receiver. I think Jackson Smith and Jigba. You know, they believe in Desmond. Go, go get him some more help. I think that's what they're going to do. Josh, who do they think? If they can get Lamar. If the whole Baltimore thing doesn't fall through, I think that that'll help them on the offensive side of things. And then they draft Jalen Carter. 
if he's still on the board. I think him and uh, Campbell would be a really nice interior duo um, and really stop. They probably have the best percentage of stop run game um, in the league, honestly, because um, Campbell's no joke. Neither is Jalen Carter. Barring that he can come in on at a, at a certain weight that they want him to, uh, hopefully he's not like a whole Zion problem. Um, but yeah, I think they take Jalen Carter at eight. Yeah. Um, Mel Kuyper has them taking Nolan Smith, that linebacker out of Georgia, who had the insane combine, went nuts. Um, I think you know, kind of looking at what they need, that that fits because you know linebacker is one of the positions that they're a little weak at right now. But at the same time, linebacker is such an easy position to fill in the NFL nowadays. It's like that and running back. If you can get, you know, guys who can just at least hold their own. I mean, you saw with the Bears last year, Jack Sanborn went out there and did his thing. Nicholas Moore went out there and did their thing. And those are guys who probably aren't ever going to make more than $15 million, like over a th- two-year contract, three-year contract. Um, I-, I think it's more important to go out and get those offensive weapons. Uh, I think a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba is just perfect for this team, no matter what. Um, the other thing is, is, is why not go out and maybe get Devin Witherspoon if he's going to be out there, mm-hmm. you know, in, in all our mock drafts, or I mean, exactly his mock drafts, he's still out there. And I know you just traded for Jeff Okuda, but you've seen Jeff Okuda can't stay on the field, like Zach was saying. Might as well go out and get another stud corner and have the best D-back field in the league. Um, I don't know. I think the Falcons could honestly go almost any direction in this draft and not be wrong. I think there's a lot of talent in the, like, it's a very – it's not the most outstanding class, but it's a very deep class. It's a lot of guys who are going to come out and be parts of their team right away. And I think that's all the Falcons have to look for right now. They're they're on that verge of winning a conference right now, or not the conference, their division. Um, I think you just got to go out there and get guys who are willing and ready to play for you. So I think getting a guy like <clears throat> Witherspoon, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Honestly, Jalen Carter, if he's out there, why not? I mean, you have Grady Jarrett on the inside, but pair him with – with them, see what works, see what yeah. finds out. <clears throat> now, with the ninth overall pick, the pick that we've been talking about forever, the Bears pick, what's happening there? Um, Barring that the Bears don't trade down or up and they just stay nine, um, I think we take Paris Johnson if he's on the board. Um, I think that will probably be the best fit for us. The kid can move. He, could, he even said that if, you know, if – he needs to play guard, he'll play guard. Um, if he needs to play tackle, he'll play tackle, and he could play either side. So I think that's probably the best fit for us right now on the offensive offensive line. Exactly. Who do you got them taking? Well, I have Paris Johnson gone, but I do have a man by the name of Jalen Carter who's still available. I mean, Jalen Carter, his film, he looks like the next Warren Sapp. It's just all about off the field. If he can rein himself in, not do anything crazy, you know, get in better shape, we have the next Warren Sapp on our hands. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll be good to go on the D-line. Him and DeMarcus Walker on the same side, though, I think that'll be pretty solid. And then I think around two, we go offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think offensive tackle, this class, is one of the deepest. Oh, yeah. And it's those top, like, three or four offensive tackles could be Hall of Famers, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't think the Bears can go wrong. Um I, I right now I have them taking Paris Johnson too. I think he's just has the most upside. Yeah. I think he has the most to build on and he has that experience with Justin Fields. Um so I think that just kinda all helps a little bit when you're looking at guys to draft. 
Um, Peter Skronsky, he keeps he's kind of on that Will Anderson train where he just keeps kind of falling a little bit, little bit by a little bit in the you know mock drafts. Um, but I also wouldn't be mad if they took him still. Yeah, like, I wouldn't. Maybe. Everybody thinks he could. Like right now, the whole thought process is that he's going to be a guard because of his short arms and he's kind of just built more like a guard. I still think he could be a solid tackle. Like he could figure it out. And I know like that short arm thing has kind of been true. I mean, you look at guys like Jenkins, Tevin Jenkins, Connor Williams. For the Cowboys, that was kind of his big issue. Is everybody thought he had small arms. They moved him to center, and now he's a very solid center in the league. Uh, I think he's on the Dolphins now, but he's still playing extremely well for them at center. Um, but, you know, Broderick Jones, if they go Broderick Jones, so that's another guy. He's so strong. He's, like, he's a freak. He's he's going to be nuts. But, like like I was saying, all, all three of those guys are. Yeah. Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright. Who's most technically sound of all of them. Yeah, I think it's. It's a grab bag for these tackles, and if the Bears take any of them, I'll be happy. Um, I just I, – I, I don't want them to mess it up, and I'm very afraid being a Bears fan the past couple of years that they might mess it up, but it's very hard to mess it up. So just take one of those tackles, and we'll be happy as Bears fans. I'm hoping it's Parents Johnson, though. For our last pick in this mock draft that we are doing, the Philadelphia Eagles have that 10th overall pick. Who are they taking with that? I think mm, I'm stuck between two, but I think they take B. John Robinson. Uh, they lost Miles Sanders. They need a running back. Um, he'd probably be the best one, honestly, to fit their scheme because they're a very fast-paced team in the backfield. Um, if not him, um, it's Denzel Washington from Georgia, right? I know who you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah. The t- the tight end from Georgia. He's massive. The dude's a, a, oh, Darnell Washington. Yeah, Darnell Washington. Washington. Yeah, I was like, I don't think it's Denzel yeah, Washington. He's he's a freak athlete. I could see them utilizing him and um, Goddard. Goddard like a bunch with the run game, and, and the passing game as well. You know, because um, I think running like a tank scheme with two tight ends and um, you know using. Uh, Darnell as a, a decoy, and you get Goddard open all day, and then I mean you get your other wide receivers open all day. I think that's a really good offensive weapon for them. But also Bijan Robinson is quick, he's efficient, he's a really good running back. You can't uh, really like shoot him down for what he's accomplished. So exactly, who do you got them taking? They can go a lot of different ways. They can swing for the fences and go for Bijan Robinson. They could replenish their secondary with Brian Branch. They could go get another D lineman. I've also heard them like, you know, maybe drafting like a guy like Scaranti. You know, they Howie Rosen loves building in the trenches. Uh, personally I think uh, I think they they go D line here. Luke, they get Lucas Van Ness. He'll be there. Um, you know, they lost Javon Hargrave. Brandon Graham is long in the tooth. Fletcher Cox had a down year compared to his yeah, past couple he's years. He's getting pretty old. I think they want to replenish the D-line. Yeah, I think I think the big thing with this Philadelphia Eagles team is that they're just old. And taking a guy like B. John Robinson, I think, kind of makes the most sense just because of how offensively dynamic he is and how offensively dynamic this offense is. When the Eagles play, it's like you don't know what's going to happen. They could run the ball 40 times and then the next game throw it 50 times. Yeah, And he's helping you out no matter what you're doing there. 
if you take an offensive lineman here, while their offensive line is still like an older unit, I think that's just kind of like a waste of a pick for them. I think it's not like a bad pick, but you're also like, does that really help you? Yeah, they took Cam Jurgens in the second round last year. That could be their right guard. Yeah, Sumalu's gone. Yeah. So, like, if they took a guy like Skronsky, yeah, okay, he, he could be really good, but at the same time, do you need him? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, D-line is kind of in the same boat, but because they lost Javon Hargrave, I think that's just a little bit more necessary for them. Lucas Van Ness is going to be out there. I think Kalijah Kansi takes a huge jump. I think teams yeah, are a be surprised. lot more into him than they're letting on. Um, I think, you know, there's just – I know it's easy to compare him to Aaron Donald just because he's from Pitt. He's built exactly the same way. He has a lot of the same moves. But this kid could be Aaron Donald. And I don't think as the Eagles, when you just lost the Super Bowl, you're really, like, caring that much about who they are now and just saying, screw it. He has the potential to be Aaron Donald. Why not? If he's not, he's a rotation guy for us, and we're still an extremely solid team. If he is, we just – replaced a legendary defensive tackle in Fletcher Cox with another legendary defensive tackle. That's huge for an Eagles franchise like this. And then, if again, if he's not good, you're just like, okay, that's fine. I don't think Peter Skronsky, although he has the potential to be a very good player, gives you that same upside in the long run. And I think getting a guy like Clyde Jacanty could give you that upside. Um, So that's where I think I'm going to go with that 10th pick. Overall... Which team do you think is going to end up being the winner of this draft? If done right, our Chicago Bears. We have most picks. We also have opportunity to trade back down again. I mean, technically we already got DJ Moore through the draft because we traded the number one overall pick. That's a Pro Bowl receiver. Uh, I say you have that. The Seahawks. They, you know, it's 5-20 and 20 and a couple seconds. The Lions, it's going to come down to those two teams. I mean, three teams, sorry. Mm-hmm. I think, personally, the Arizona Cardinals have a shot to get two of the best pass rushers in this draft uh, with that 3 and that 11. I think that Tyree Wilson or Jalen Carter could fall to that 11 pick, and I think they could get Will Anderson with that first pick or that third pick. If you can get two of those guys – I think you just rebuilt your defense like that. Yeah. And especially since you already have Buda Baker, guys like Byron Murphy stepping up, all these dudes that are just – they have solid pieces there. Yeah, and Simmons. Exactly. If you can put together something with that third pick, which they really shouldn't have. This team should be better than they are. Yeah. If they put something together with that third pick and then go on with that 11th pick and take – I mean, this is a dra- deep draft. Like I was saying, these, there's a lot of guys in this draft who – have the ability to come out and just be players right away. If they can do something right there, they can turn the season around like mm-hmm. from last year and go from three to 29th pick or something. Now the next step is just make sure the offense gets everything put together, but worry about that defense first, rebuild that defense, and you can start this whole thing over again and make a really good franchise in one draft. Josh, who do you think could be the winner of this draft? Um... I definitely think the Bears can. I think Ryan Poles is not done making moves. Um, we have, what, two weeks until the draft? I feel like he's going to wait at least another week, maybe a couple of days before the draft, and just tear it apart. I, I feel like we have a lot of ammunition to work with right now. 
And I feel like he has a game plan set in motion, and he's just waiting for the right time for the right team to really, like, bite the bait, and he's just going to reel them in. Um, I also think the Lions uh, have a really good chance at making this a really, really, like, interesting draft. And Because we already know that Rodgers is gone. We're just waiting for his stupid money to go through, you know, whatever he wants from the Jets. So he, he's gone already, but now it's right now it's, it's the Lions versus the Bears in the North. So I think he's just – I think that's what he's doing right now. He's just trying to see who bites so he can have the upper hand over the team that we have to worry about the most. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's going to do for our mock draft tonight. we got about 15 minutes left in the show. Josh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the Chicago Cubs. Uh, we've been about one week total throughout the season here. Uh, the Cubs today are winning a game right now, going into the ninth inning, fourteen to nine. What is one thing through this first week of the year that you are seeing from this Cubs team that is really promising for you? Um, we're very consistent on offense. That is probably the best thing. We still have our moments where we leave people stranded, and I mean, we leave the bases stranded a lot uh, over the past few games. Um, but other than that, you know, we're consistent. I mean, Dansby's challenging the plate, you know, by running home where no one's looking and he's scoring, you know. Uh, where Bellinger is starting to get consistent, and that's promising. You know, we don't need him to go yard every single time. We just need him to get on base. You know, we need to get through the lineup every single time. Um you know, I, I feel like being consistent in that department is going to help translate on defense because then our pitchers are going to be like, they're going to have that, you know, sigh of relief. But I think that's the one thing that's holding us down right now. And it's why we've been losing games uh, is our pitching. It's been kicking us in the teeth uh, recently, especially James uh, Italian. He's not very good. He's not turning out as well as I thought he would because in New York he was a dog. Um but right now, as of right now, you know, he lost us that last game against the against the Rangers, and that was disappointing and embarrassing. You know, he get, he gave up a lot, and it, it's just it's like being a Cubs fan. You're just waiting for Hendricks to come back. You know, like all oh, the timetable, the timetable. But then, you know, maybe in a a week or two. We might be getting Sasea back, and I think that's going to solidify that right field for us because Mancini can't even die for a ball. He's dropped, dropped, not caught, or it's gone off his glove every time. When he tries to make a, a, you know, a diving catch or whatever it may be, and I'm just sick and tired of seeing it. Um, I really don't want to see Madrigal playing third base anymore. He's quick. And efficient, he could, he's really good at making stops, but he cannot throw the ball to first. And that's the scariest part for us because we give up, you know, when the ball goes in the dugout, we give up that, you know, infield rule to move him to second. And when that guy's on third, he gets to score, you know. Everyone gets to move. I feel like we need to cut that out. Uh, we either play Wisdom or someone else who has better experience. Gomes is old. <laughs> he's not uh, – as efficient as everyone else at the plate, um, I think that's a little bit of a not downfall, but that's kind of holding us back to of us reaching our potential. Barnhart is nothing better; he's probably just at the same level as Gomes. Um, I mean, that's what I got. What do you have? Um, 
let, let's start with keep going off what you were saying was bad. Besides Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele, nobody on this dang roster can pitch. Yeah. It's awful. Those first two guys pitched their hearts out in those first two games. Like in that when they start off the rotation, they pitch their hearts out, and then three, four, and five look like they've never thrown a baseball before in your life. I'm completely with you on Jamison Tyone. He makes me so mad because I'm I'm a big Jamison Tyone fan. When he was on the Pirates, when he started his career and then went to the Yankees, he had that kind of year where he had Tommy John surgery, mm-hmm. went to the Yankees, came back and played really well. And then I was like, oh, the Cubs got him for a steal. They got him for a really good deal mm-hmm. at the time. Now it's looking like a really bad deal. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's frustrating because I want him to be good. Yeah. I was really excited for him to come to the Cubs. And then he's just kind of selling that third spot. Um, and then the next two guys, Wisniewski pitched tonight. He's awful. Wisniewski, yeah. yeah. He's still young. I think he's still just getting the the butterflies out. Um, I feel like I feel like they had to give him that fifth spot because we brought him up so early last year, um, especially when Hendricks went out. But I think right now, when Hendricks comes back, what I'm thinking they're going to do is they're going to threaten Talion and keep Wisniewski in there. And I feel like that's they're just trying to fuel fire under uh, Talion. How do you say it? Talion. Talion. They're just going to try and light the fire on him to start pitching better. And then once he starts pitching better, they're going to send Wisniewski down and put Hendricks in that three and Talion in that five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just what they're waiting for right now. Um, I think they know that uh, Hayden can do it. He can get it done most of the time. He's he pitched today an iffy game, you know, <laughs> a little more than iffy. <laughs> it was a it was a rough game. What, one one point one innings, five hits, two earned runs, and four walks. Bullpen's been better than expected. Yeah, Alzale. I was. Had, I wanted to talk about him. Yeah, Alzale. He's pitched. I think they took him out already. Yeah, but um, he, he had a really good well. game. Yeah, he had a really good game today. He got out of some some fines and stuff, but other than that, every other time he's brought been brought up, I think around the sixth or seventh. I mean, even I think two, I think two games ago he was brought up in the fifth. Like he came out early, you know, and that was a little abnormal. But it's kind of what we expect from Ross because he's kind of like that. He's been like that for the last three seasons. That's how the Cubs have been for the past like ten seasons. Yeah. just <laughs> unorthodox. Yeah, especially with Joe Man. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, I mean, he's been really, really good for us. Um, Boxberger is not good. I don't really like him as a pitcher, uh, for us at least. Um, can't think of anyone else off the top of my head. But, I mean, the bullpen's been stepping up, you know. I feel like we could have added more to our pitching depth, obviously, but I don't think anyone was um, as big of eye candy as we wanted probably. But I think we should have taken a chance on some of these pitchers that were pitching in the World Baseball Classic, um, just like the Detroit Tigers did. I think we should have went after someone who was overseas. I mean, I did say uh, Sasaki, but you have to be a certain age to come overseas and play in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like once he turns of age, I think the Cubs should definitely gun for him. Sasaki's uh, a monster of a pitcher. I think that kid can have a Hall of Fame career in the MLB. When he's of age and can play in the U.S. with the MLB in the contract and whatever, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Yeah. Like, that is a guaranteed. But I think, you know, we should look at, like, Puerto Rico or whatever because obviously they're a part of the U.S., this and that. 
uh, the DR. I know we have a team in the DR for the Cubs. Um, so, I mean, I feel like we should have done a little bit more international pitching. But, I mean, we got what we got. We have to work with it because I think right now they're just trying to deal with it until Hendricks comes back. And um, obviously on the offense side of things, we're doing really good things. And I think we're, you know, we're playing, we're having that switch up of Mancini and right. And we'll have Mustermboni and right sometimes. But then we'll also have Wisdom and right. And then Madrigal at third, which I hate. Like, I don't like that switch up. I just, like I said, Madrigal's a good defensive stop player, but he is not a good third to first thrower. Yeah. He has cost us a lot with balls being thrown out of play and or you know hitting off the fence but people are stealing bases um so i think that's something that we need to cut out right now i think wisdom just needs to be that lock-in third guy hosmer at first mancini can't play first i don't know why we're playing him there he can't scoop a ball like hosmer like hosmer was a solidified first baseman at in boston like i don't know what we're doing obviously i i guess we're just trying to play around to see who's best at what but I think we need to cut it out because even though we're third in the division, um, I definitely think if we just stop playing around and do what we have to do, we can easily take over the Brewers. The Brewers are a good team, nonetheless. Like, Corbin Burns is a dog. The other pitcher who pitched that second game, he's, an, he's a dog, too. Woodruff, yeah. yeah, so, like, they have the offensive weapons and defensive weapons, but I feel like we're a much better team. Um, Corbin, we made Corbin Burns look like a, a baby that first game, you know? Um, but I definitely think we can make that whole team look like babies, you know? I, I feel like we are the better team, biasly, obviously, me saying that. But I definitely think we could run the NL. Like, you know, like maybe not the whole division, but our at, at least the central. At least the central, you know? Like, I feel like we can run our central, you know, NL division, you know? Like, I just... I think that's the standard for us, honestly. Yeah, I mean, what one thing I've noticed overall in the entire league so far in this first week is that pitching is like I don't I don't know what they did, but pitching is much worse, and there's a lot more higher scoring games. Mm-hmm. Like you were talking about the Brewers pitching, Corbin Burns has not looked good this year. Yeah, Russian. Bra- Brandon Woodruff just got put on the IL, so the oh, Brewers man. like don't have their top two pitchers. And granted, they have one of the deepest rotations in baseball, so they'll probably be fine there. But at the same time, their offense is going crazy lately, which is weird for the Brewers. The yeah. Brewers haven't been a very good offensive team since Chris and Yelich won MVP. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that's not sustainable based on what we've seen from the Brewers the past two seasons. So the Cubs have every opportunity to overtake them, especially since their offense is looking insane. Right now, the Cubs have Nico Horner batting over 300. He's batting 356. Dansby Swanson's batting 400 because he's absurd. Um Nick Madrigal's batting 333. He hasn't had a lot of play appearances this year, but he's still batting 333. Ian Happ is batting 314. Uh, Trey Mancini's batting 275, so he's still batting well. Eric Hosmer is batting 310. Those are like six everyday guys who are batting over 300 right now, one week into the season. That's crazy. Yeah, like why can't we be first? You know, because the pitching is giving up nine runs today. They're yeah. lucky the offense decided to show up. Yeah, Vel- Velasquez is a dog. Yeah, that, he had a grand slam today. His first grand slam ever. Three and, for three. Yeah, three for four now. But yeah, yeah sad, but sadly, he, he, that that's what I mean. We can't leave guys stranded, and that guy stepped up to the plate and didn't leave anyone stranded. You know, we we were down seven to four, and then the notification goes off, and it was seven to eight. That guy is an animal. I'm glad we brought him off our spring training roster because he deserved it. That guy had a really good spring training, 
and he showed up today. Mm-hmm. And you know, like what? It's fourteen to nine. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this game's on him. You you shouldn't as an MLB MLB team you shouldn't have to put up fourteen runs to win a game. Though. Yeah, that's my that's my issue right now. It's it's awesome what these guys are doing at the plate. My problem is is that they have to do it, and that you cannot win a whole season that way. Mm-hmm. It's not going to last. So the rest of these pitching needs to step up for this team to be better. And defensively, it's the same thing. They just got to like figure it out. And they're they're doing stuff different today, like. Trey Mancini was playing first, like you said, and that's better than him playing outfield right now, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, like As much as it sucks that he's playing first in general, it's better than him in left No, field. he's playing right field today, Hosmer. Unless they, 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 oh, they Hosmer, moved him. On here, it has Hosmer as DH and Mancini at first. Oh, they moved him then. Yeah, yeah, because Hosmer started the game at okay. first. So, yeah, they they moved the lineup around. Okay. So, I mean, like e- either way, but like at the same time, Hosmer isn't – he's not a thir- first baseman. He started his whole career in Kansas City at third base. And then when he was moving around a little bit, he had to find a different spot when Manny Machado got to San Diego because they had given Hosmer the big contract and then signed Manny Machado too. So they are like, okay, let's move him to first base. It'll be fine. And he kind of took a step back at that first base, and then he got traded to Boston from there and played well last season defensively. Um, but he also wasn't focusing offensively at all last season. This year he's getting a little – like we can see like shines of old Hosmer on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I don't know if he's there. And – as much as I don't want Mancini to play there either because I think he's kind of in the same boat. He's just kind of washed defensively. Like, he's still obviously a good offensive player. Like, I don't know. It's just like a lose-lose situation. You just play whoever you think is going to be the most athletic there. Mm -hmm. And right now that's Mancini. And, yes, that may not be the best choice, but you got to do what you got to do. And I think he can step up enough or Hosmer can step up enough to where it's not going to be an issue later in the year. What I'm worried about is Nick Madrigal is – is playing third like you said mm-hmm. and th- that's awesome <laughs> that he's getting on the field because i love nick madrigal i think he can be a really solid player he should be at second base or he should be in right field no other position and what what also sucks about this patrick wisdom can't hit a lefty to save his life so you can't put him out there on lefty day he's he's got to be on the bench he's not going to hit a lefty so as much it's the same thing as the first base. As much as you don't want Madrigal to play third base, he has to sometimes. Yeah, because Patrick Wisdom can't play on lefties. Yeah, he's not going to do anything. He's a waste of a position because his defense isn't really much better than Madrigal. Yes, Madrigal can't really. He doesn't have the arm for a third baseman, but Patrick Wisdom isn't really much better. You know, he doesn't have the glove to be a third baseman, and that's more important than having the arm to be a third baseman. <clears throat> and what? Is hard about that is that we have one of the best second and short second baseman and shortstops in the league. That Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson, I love them so much. They make me so happy. Dansby Swanson's going to win an MVP. As they're, a Chicago the be- they're the best infield right now. It may not be this year, but Dansby Swanson's winning an MVP. Hey, who it's, knows? It's Ryan Sandberg 2.0. Who That's knows? what I'm calling right now. That's what it feels like. He could win MVP, man. You don't know. I mean, it's 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 going to be. It's going to be an interesting rest of the year, but from the from this first week, I have hope for this team, mm-hmm. but I also have a lot of doubts about this team. Yeah, oh, definitely. So yeah. it, it's it's going to be a fun year to watch. I just want to see which which end of the Chicago Cubs we get to prevail. Yeah, are we going to see this offense keeping it up, or are we going to see the pitching keep screwing it up? Mm-hmm. And then one or the other is going to match out, and then we're going to 
it's probably going to end up being a 500 season is my guess. Yeah. And, I mean, I, w- I would hate to have to have such a good offensive side of things and defensive side of things besides the pitching and have to kind of give up a lot to get Otani, you know, because I, I feel like supposedly we're a sleeper. We're for a Otani. sleeper pick for him. We're a sleeper pick <laughs> for him, and I mean, him and Sazay are, are teammates. Uh, they are teammate. They were teammates in Japan, and they can be teammates again. Um, and I mean, I think this season, I think they said the Angels play here, or I think it's next season. But like Otani will be here in Chicago and get to experience it and this and that. And I feel like that's probably one of the best things to happen, especially if we're a sleeper pick, because it might be something he loves, he enjoys, yada, yada, yada. But I don't think we ha- we should have to have that 500 season, you know? Like you're saying, I feel like our bar is set so much higher for us right now. And I feel like we can do so much more than just reach the bar. I think that we can go past it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited to see what happens. Folks, we are a little past our time limit here. It's 10.02, which means it's time for us to check off. If you enjoyed what you heard tonight, be sure to tune in next week. Same time, same place, 8 to 10 on WRC 88.7 FM. If you tuned in late to the show today, be sure to check us out on Spotify as well. We will be posting our show there right after we get off air here. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to the Blue Jay Brady Show. You can find us on Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram. See you next week. Tired of the same old.